Um, I'm going to obviously host this Q&A and ask lots of questions, but if you've got questions, don't worry. We'll save some time at the end for you to ask, uh, ask them. So, Amma. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so I suppose the first thing we've got to talk about is where this story came from, because World War II movies we normally see kind of tell us the same story, same kind of angles, but this feels completely fresh and new. Yeah, and that was really my in, in many ways. I, I had finished um, making my <clears throat> first film, excuse me, A Way of Life, about 12 years ago, um, and we were shooting that in Wales. And while I was there, I discovered that Wales has some of the oldest black communities in Europe, in the whole of Europe. And, um, you know, I wasn't particularly young, and I couldn't understand why I'd gotten to that age and hadn't realised that, you know, Wales had this very interesting um, multicultural history that went way, way, way back. Mm. Um, so I started doing research on um, other black histories that sort of intersected with Europe, basically. I wanted to know more about people like me who were born in and raised in Europe, but, you know, were, were of the African diaspora. Mm. And um, I came across this... Um, this phrase constantly online called the called Rhineland bastards, which was a phrase that was very uncomfortable to me. So in the beginning, I kind of just ignored it. I kind of let it just mm. float over me. Um, but it kept coming up, and it kept coming up in connection with this picture that I kept seeing, which is the little girl that you see at the end of the the, the still that you see of, at the end of the film. And um, she intrigued me. She's there standing. It's the picture's taken in 1943. Mm. Um, in obviously. Hitler's Germany, she's surrounded by what Hitler would have called Aryan schoolgirls at the time. And I wanted to know more about who, who she was. Uh, I couldn't find out very much information other than that the photo was being used um, in certain quarters as an example, official quarters, as an example of what non-Aryan features look like. Um, and the photo belongs to the United States Holocaust Museum. And it was you, from there I began, I really started a kind of very slow research process. And it must have been quite meticulous. Tell me about the process, because it's taken quite a while. This was going to be your second movie. Yes, it was. Fourth. So yes. Tell me about the process and yeah. kind of who you were speaking to. And actually, how long was the research process? Yeah, it was a long process. And, it, and, it, and it's quite right that it should be a, a long process, because um, it's, it's a very recent history. It's a history that involves um, many who suffered. Um, it's a history that involved many who suffered, and, and some are still alive. Mm. Um, direct, you know, relatives and descendants are definitely still alive. It's an emotive history. Um, one, you know, I I knew what I learned from school. You know, the yeah. basics that I learned from school, but I really had to get to grips with it on a much, much, much deeper level. Um, so, uh, yeah, there was a point where, um, you know, I was just buried in Nuremberg <laughs> trial, yeah. you know, um, uh, a testimony. Um, so the process, it was long. So first and foremost, um, it, it started off with just basic online stuff. Yeah. Um, and then eventually um, I began to, I had to start visiting the, um, the archives and the museums online. Um, when I sort of felt that I had a relatively... Uh, okay grasp um, I brought on board a researcher to work with me and we started to go into things a, a lot more deeply which involved sort of contacting the German government um, we had to then um, begin to try and source 
um, some Afro-German survivors of the Holocaust, uh, find out who was still alive, um, who had passed away. Of course, you know, you're looking at only those that were on record and there would have been many that weren't as well. Mm. Um, so we, we eventually managed to source Afro-German survivors. Um, and after a, you know, a pretty long process of lots, lots, lots more research and then lots of visits around the world to the various Holocaust museums and some private archives as well, I then was really lucky to be able to sit down and start doing interviews and, and recording um, testimony. And then obviously we're dealing with an historical period. This, the story of Lena, she's not actually a real person no. or creating a new narrative. Yeah. How do you balance as a writer the kind of responsibility to the history, the legacy, what went on there, but also trying to create a drama that can also entertain? Yeah, I mean, I think with this particular subject, it's hard because for me, I guess the goal was to engage rather than entertain, if that makes yeah. sense, and um, and to 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 look at a history that we have hopefully all learned about in school and know something about and should know something about, um, and maybe um, illuminate. A, a different, a slightly different area of it, whilst incorporating the areas that we rightly should continue to remember. And so, how do you do that? I mean, first and foremost, um, it was a um, a process of constant engagement with um, um, with scholars and um, professors and. Um, and ensuring that everything that happened in the film was plausible um, and um, could have happened and, and uh, you know, definitely wasn't out of the realms of happening. Mm. Um, and there's, there are sort of ways that you go around that. I, I guess the, the easiest example um, to go to, perhaps, is the idea of, you know, a black or biracial girl with... Um, a Hitler Youth Boy, you know, could that happen? And um, the reality was that in 1944, all Jewish people were removed from Berlin. Um, the only people that were left in Berlin at that point were those that Hitler called Aryans, and there were a few few black folk hanging, or biracial folk hanging, uh, still around at that point. Um, and if we think, for instance, about those that I interviewed, the Afro-German survivors that I interviewed, None of them married other Afro-German people, which is, mm. which were the rules. You were supposed to marry. You couldn't marry outside of your race. Yeah. But because most of them didn't know another Afro-German person, unless it might be a sibling, so not someone they could marry, it was essentially consigning them to a life alone or breaking the rules and having a relationship with someone who was Aryan. And if you were Aryan, you had to be involved in the National Socialist um, existence and if you were Lena's age, that meant you had to be in the in the Hitler Youth. So none of them married um, anybody of the, the same race, and therefore, given the time that they would have been teenagers, those people would have had to have been in the Hitler Youth. Mm. So, so it so you 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 either were not engaging in in everyday life, or you were. And if you were, the interesting thing about these Afro-German people is that their lives were were intensely intertwined with the Aryan Nazi world yeah. that they lived in because their mothers were German and therefore their mothers came from families that, you know, and even their mothers would have had to have worked in factories or, um, you know, any kind of system that was working towards the war effort and therefore supporting the National Socialist re regime. So it was a very kind of, I think the best way to describe it was a, 
uh, a toxic, extremely toxic environment to be in because you are, you are surrounded by a supremacist world that rejects you, but in order to survive, you have to be part mm. of that world, and it's, you know... So the yeah, example. Absolute authenticity within the script, but also recreating this world. How is that production-wise in creating this kind of the camps, uh, the location of Berlin? Yeah. Frightening, you know, in, frightening for all kinds of reasons. You know, if you, you're scared if you don't get it right, and if you do get it right, it's completely daunting. You know, there were times where, you know, you, we turn up on a street that in, we shot partly in, in Belgium, and then we, we built our camp based on... Uh, a real camp, um, but we built that in, in, on the Isle of Man. And uh, so we'd sometimes, you know, arrive very early in the morning, uh, you know, on a street that we turned into, you know, part of unbombed Nazi Germany. And it would just feel surreal and, uh, you know, scary and terrifying. And yet, you know, you knew if you were going to, to do honour to it, then you had to do the best you could. Mm. Um, so you know, I'd made two costume dramas before this. You know, there are certain key elements that you 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 that are go-to elements that help to make the world feel correct. You know, um, I work with the production designer that I'd worked with before. Um, I I work with um, the amazing um, Remy Adafarisan, who's an incredible um, DP, as we all know. Um, it was just making sure that my heads of department were the very best that I could get. Hopefully, it, you know, as many as possible that I'd worked with before. Um, and because the script had taken such a long time to to be financed, um, most of the people that I worked with had sort of been you know, in, in touch with me about it for a really, really long time. We'd all wanted to make this film for a really long time. And I think that will and that passion and coming into it for the right reasons, which is to, to, to tell an untold history, um, meant that we, we just worked really hard. But, you know, things like, you know, finding the correct um, um, costumes for camp, you know, finding the, rec the correct costumes for, the you know, the Nazi officers, you know, working out at what point would... would Berlin have been bombed and, you know, I, I knew I wanted my protagonist, I wanted Lena to be in the camp um, before Berlin was, like, fully, fully bombed. You know, that those kind of things were, you, you know, you just had to be accurate. So, you know, consultants were my friend <laughs> most um, of the time. You, uh, let's talk about casting, Amanda Stenberg. You actually first spoke on social media, is that right? weird because Amanda Lissenberg who's you know pretty well known in in America and um you know well known early on for being in the first Hunger Games and being the little girl that you know dies Rue. dies at the end Remember? of the Rue yeah Sorry, at the end of the Hunger like Games Nazi salute it wasn't if you've seen the film yeah, okay no, definitely <laughs> not <laughs> um so I didn't, I didn't actually know who Amanda Stenberg was. Um, I saw, um, I was on Instagram one day, would you believe, and um, a, a video came up and it was of this um, very incredible, ex very young woman who was Amanda, um, sort of explaining, she'd shot this, this little film of herself explaining what cultural appropriation is. Mm. Um, and she did it in such an amazing, incredible way that when I got to the end of the film, I went onto my, my private Facebook page and put, you know, if I had a little girl, she would have a brain like Amanda Stenberg. That's what, that was my wish. Um, and, um, and as I typed out the name, it, it rang at some bells with me. I had a feeling I'd seen it in my, in my Twitter inbox before because um, it's just a very specific name. And I went and had a look, and it turned out she had written to me two years before, or more, maybe four years before, when I made my film Belle. 
um, and asked if she could interview me for her feminism class. And I tried to make it happen, as I did with many little girls that had written at the time, but it just didn't happen. It didn't, didn't work out. So I thought, well, let me go online, because like, this girl's asking me to do her feminism class, but then she's on social media with like a million likes <laughs> or something like that, like literally a million yeah. likes. Um, let me find out who she is. And I discovered she was an actress. And my, I had been very worried that I was going to have to cast a little girl that was much, was not a little girl, in fact, that was much, much older. And uh, for me, that was going to be massively problematic because um, for anybody that feels this film works, I feel like it can only work if you're talking about young, very young minds that are in the process of um, working out who they are, what they are, um, and um, defining their, their own moral code mm. through life and, and things that they discover. And it's very hard to, to, to feel that about someone who's 25 or 28. Um, and, even, and even worse, if they're playing young when they're not. Uh, there was just something very beautiful about Amanda in that she was, she was extremely astute, and I felt that she could really um, navigate the tough issues that were involved in this film, the, the themes and the nuances, but that she remained the age that she needed yeah. to be for this for this to work you know she still had that newness and that curiosity that you didn't believe well I didn't believe that she was a, a, a sort of hardened soul that would yeah. would would know this already somehow especially as obviously they're 16 year olds and we have to remember in the context that these aren't adults it wasn't kind of a Nazi soldier he's in Hitler youth uh, Lutzitz and George Mackay and trying to make sure that when it's reflected how people are seeing it that this isn't as it's been done, the Nazi love story. Actually, it's about young people who might have been radicalised, and especially there's a contemporary element to how you do your films as well, and that seems to be quite important that you're showing stuff that can relate to now, but it's actually using the past. Yeah, I mean, this is about radicalisation, and it's about the radicalisation of today. And it's, a, you know, it, it really, for me, explores the idea that Nazi Germany used... Um, you know, the education system and every form of cultural influence to mould the minds and radicalise um, its, its youth in, in particular. That's what I'm really looking at in this mm -hmm. film. Um, and and every, everybody that we sort of really, we, we focus on in terms of developing minds in this film are very, very young, um, even Hamina in the camp. And so... Um, it was, it's, you know, I'm asking the question, I'm saying, you know, in, in, in Nazi Germany, there was a formal structure to educating, you know, youth into, into you know, what will, what will be hatred and, and in the end, what will result in murder. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, but key to that, you know, marginalising people, othering people and persecuting other people. And my question today is, you know, how, how are we doing it today informally? Um, you know, 1930s Germany, not 1940s, but 1930s, of course, because 1940s Germany didn't just appear out of nowhere, it yeah. came from somewhere. And in 1930s Germany, you know, language was normalised that, that, you know, you know, was not acceptable previously. And we use language today that is acceptable. Um, we use it to marginalise and we use it to other. Um, and, and we have to remember that language has power. And, you know, and, and a key theme in the film is language. And, and that's why you have that moment where um, Lena, having been 
um, you know, living in, a, in an environment as Afro-German children were, where she's completely surrounded by nothing but white supremacy and, and, and uh, so-called, you know, Aryans and Nazis, um, completely educated by only Nazis because anybody who wasn't was taken out of the school system, can't find a book to read that would treat her any, you know, would teach her any differently, um, has no Jewish people to actually have a conversation with because they've all been removed from society, um, and suddenly is repeating verbatim what she, she hears from teachers at school. Uh, and it's language, but it's dangerous, and it must be, must be challenged by her mum. Was that... I mean, a lot of times when you watch, especially World War II movies, there's a kind of classic, the hero, the villain, the ally, there's Nazis. But you seem to be kind of reluctant to put those labels in this, in this film. Why was that? I mean, my favourite line in the film is, is, is for, na for now, because it will change. Um, but for now is when, you know, Lutz says to his father, you told me we were heroes. What you should have told me is that we are cowards. And... Um, and uh, well, certainly there are there are no heroes in the film in the, in the terms that we're used to seeing heroes. I feel like Lena is a hero. She's 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 my my champion in the sense that she has a, an arc. She has a big journey. She has learning to do a lot of learning to do. And she she you know we come in and she's sixteen and we come out and she's going to be a mother and she yeah. she's a woman whether she wanted to be or not. And I feel like in many ways, you know, what I wanted to do with Lena was look at um, the Nuremberg race laws, look at what Hitler had de de decreed for Afro-Germans, which is that they should be sterilised, they should never have children, they should never have a, a relationship outside of their race, which essentially, as I say, consigned them to a life alone because mm. there was nobody yeah. else for them to have a relationship with, and um, that they should die out within one generation. And I wanted to see Lena defy all, well, most, if not all, of these, um, uh, this plan that Hitler had um, for her. And, um, and in this film, she does. She, she does not come out unscathed. She does not come out without very difficult, hard learning. But she survives and she, she, her life is, is, is intact and the life of her baby is, in, is intact. Yeah. And... Um, and so for me, she's not a traditional hero, but, but she is a hero. Yeah. yeah. Should we ask some questions from the audience? Has anyone? I feel like we went <laughs> straight we went. through that. Ooh, <laughs> okay, um, you can bring microphones. This gentleman here at the front. I feel like that went really quickly. Yeah, it did. But um, Emma, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, very enlightening movie. My question is research-based. Obviously, this is one story. I'm just curious to know, are there other stories, in terms of the other stories that spoke to you during your research, will we be seeing another film which is from an, of, of a different um, demographic? Um, so my, my, my current consultant on the film, Eve Rosenhaft, um, Actually, tomorrow I'll be flying, because there are no trains, to Liverpool because she has um, an exhibition on at the moment um, that looks at the lives of, of, of gypsies, as they were called, um, in Nazi Germany. And um, she's, her, her area of um, 
expertise is actually the black experience during the Holocaust. She's American and she's Jewish and she teaches in um, at the university in Liverpool, but her expertise is the black experience. Um, and uh, that, ex you know, her area has been widening out to, to gypsies as well. So um, I don't, for me, I don't think there's a, another story for me. Um, there are definitely many, many stories of that period. And I, uh, you know, the, the key thing for me about history is that no area of history is an island. It, it, they, all pieces interconnect with something else. And so I always find it interesting when we talk about black history or you know, this history or that history, because it's history. It's just history at the end of the day. And so I think there are definitely stories out there for other people to tell, other filmmakers to tell. I think what I tried to do with this story was, was, was sort of cram in many different perspectives, if you like, even though it's told through the eyes of Lena. And um, I'm exhausted. It's <laughs> been 12 years. I am so exhausted. But uh, there are definitely stories to be told. Thank you. Yeah. Anyone else? Oh, that gentleman up there. Very provocative film, and I admire the, the research that had to go into it. Uh, uh, may sound like a trivial question, but I think there must be a story behind the copyright being 2017. Yeah. Oh, not really. No. Um, not much. Um, so we finished it towards the end of 2017, and then um, we uh, waited till 2018 because we wanted to world premiere at Toronto. So we had our word prep world premiere in Toronto, and then we opened in the US, and then um, we waited till there was a good enough clearing for a small independent film like this to open in the UK. So it was... One of those boring industry answers, sorry. <laughs> I wanted it to be more exciting. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? Ah, this lady down here. Did you manage to find out what happened to the film in the future? Anybody of, uh, of that, uh, of, um, that uh, of the pictures or just Afro-Germans in... Yeah, so so I interviewed Afro-Germans. So so yeah, so I recorded the interviews, and you know, my hope and my dream is that um, I'll eventually have permission to, um, well, uh, for them to give their testimony to um, the Holocaust Museum. You know, one of the major Holocaust museums. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm 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 not totally at liberty to say exactly what happened. Um, to all of them because uh, one Holocaust survivor, Afro-German Holocaust survivor in particular, his story is very much out there. But one of them that I spoke to, her story is partially out there, but our conversations were very uh, deep. And, um, and um, she, put a lot, she offered me a lot of trust. And so I think there were thoughts, thoughts and feelings there that, that, um, um, that I don't think I'll mind to share, but you know they're alive and they survived, and um, you know I can tell you one interesting story of one of them is that um, her mother, who was a German woman, was obviously was 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 uh, put into a labour camp around about 1943, I think, um, because she refused to give up her partner, who was black and African. Um, and so she was sent to jail to learn to become a good German woman. And so this girl, um, and she did have a sister, um, were, were left in, in Germany. And when the mother um, finally ma managed to get back home, she hung onto a truck. 
and um, she managed to get back to Berlin at the end of the war um, when her camp was liberated. And um, the intention then, of course, because the race laws had collapsed, was that she should marry her, the father of her children, and he died. And um, as, which was, you know, obviously very painful for not just the mother, but also the children. And so, you know, when you, the, the damage is just immense, you know, the, the, and you learn these new stories. Um, and uh, I still think we have so much to learn about the period, um, even for um, the areas that we think we know so much about. I still think we've got so much more to learn. So, uh, but, but she's alive and she has children and yeah. And, and, and I was grateful to be able to sit down with her. She's in Germany. She's in Germany, yeah. Would you ever want to kind of produce documentaries about this? Because obviously it's a subject you know or support. Um, well, I understand that there are documentaries about this. And I, I definitely, um, I, I just think whichever way we get the stories out, it's, yeah. it's really important. And I think, you know, there are those who respond to documentaries more than they respond to, you know, fictional pieces like this or dramatic pieces like this. There are those who respond to, you know, a great article in The Guardian. There are those who want to read the book. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are some, some great books on the subject, in, including, you know, one by my um, consultant on this. Um, there are, if somebody came to me and said, look, can you help with this? I certainly would because I, I, I think it's a, a really interesting, fascinating time. It's a very, it's a suppressed history. And so what that means is that it's an inconvenient one. And, I th and it's an uncomfortable one. And I think if we had learned about it earlier, it would be less inconvenient and less, yeah. less uncomfortable. And we would know more about each other because of it. Because you know, one of the th other things that I wanted to, to say with this film is that no group is exempt from othering another, yeah. right? No group is exempt from it. We might think we are, but it all depends on our context, our conditioning, our stimulus, our knowledge, our experience. There are so many things that come into it. And what we tend to do is we judge, we judge a person's situation through our gaze, through the situation we're in. And I think seeing situations like this, seeing another person of colour existing in a context that's totally outside of my own, but, but, but has experienced things that I get and I understand, is, is, is fascinating to me. And, you know, when I first saw that picture of that little girl, I had all these assumptions about what must have happened to Afro-Germans in Germany during Hitler, knowing what happened to the Jews. And then suddenly all my assumptions were smashed as I started to explore because I realised there was no machine against them in the way that there was, machine of murder against the Jews. Mm. You know, the murder of Afro-Germans or the persecution, shall we say, was on a much more of an individual basis and was to do with what Nazi Germany felt they could get away with because these children's mothers were, were German. Yeah. And so it, it created, and so were the Jews, but Hitler decided that they weren't, you know? So it's, it's just, it's an interesting way for us to explore um, further um, elements of our humanity, I think. Exactly. Any questions? Emma, fantastic movie. How Thank you. Um, my question is, what I love about you is that, um, like you say, suppressed history, untold history, a lot of your uh, work goes in this area. And mm -hmm. uh, it's refreshing because I've grown up in a time where I've seen films, I've enjoyed them, some I've not enjoyed so much. And, you know, sort of, you know, people of colour, I sort of invisible and not really there, you know? And I, 
you know, there's a part of me that would love to see a version of your Dunkirk or <laughs> Queen of Scots. Or... I want to do the soldier that, re that, you know, comes and lifts her up. Um, and takes yes, her out of yes, the camp. I, I want to know his story. Just seeing know? his hand, it was so powerful. But yeah. I really want to focus on you because there's not many people doing these type of stories. And so, one, as an actor, I want to thank you. But also, I want to ask you, is that something, as you started as director, that you was like, look, this is going to be my thing. I want to focus on these untold stories. No. Uh, obviously, I'm sure you're up for doing a Marvel. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I just think what you're doing is so powerful. It's so educating. <laughs> so and, they say. And, um, you know, <laughs> and there's not, there's not much of it in doing it through your, that, this type of lens and this yeah. perspective. Yeah. You know, like, even if I can talk, I keep referencing shows because I feel like it's like a downturn. Like, there's, a, there's, there's so many different stories yeah, and you're yeah. choosing. And even how, I don't know how difficult it is to get these stories, but you're choosing to do that. So I just want to ask what your process is to choose on what that yeah. project is that you're going to do next. I don't do it on purpose. Okay. <laughs> um, in the sense that, and, and you know, this movie was supposed to be my second movie. Okay. Um, and, you know, the struggle to make it was that my first movie was so, so different to this. Um, at the, you know, the, there was an assumption that therefore that was the kind of movie that I was supposed to do for mm -hmm. the rest of my life. And that this kind of movie was was too big and too difficult for me to do and so there is a possibility that so I, I said about doing Belle and a United Kingdom and the movies that came yeah. in between in a way to prove um, that I had the chops to make this movie See. and 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 there is there is an argument that if I had made this movie second there would be no Belle there would be no a United Kingdom as I would tell it there definitely would be no Belle as you saw it and, yeah. and there would be a very different a United Kingdom so I haven't done it on purpose, but I tell you what I've done, and I think many of us work this way, whatever colour or gender or, you know, whatever we are, is that we make the movies that we'd like, we, we'd like to see. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us here that are filmmakers, first and foremost, our audience, right? We love to, to consume, yeah. you, you know, visual storytelling. And so I think there's just something natural in you that says, you know, I... I there isn't a costume drama that I don't love. I don't care how bad it might be. I love a costume drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And often the worse it is, the more often I watch it on a Sunday with my duvet and my big packet of crisps. Name and, some names. You know, I'm not naming any names. <laughs> I would never do that as a filmmaker. But, but, you know, but so I love them. And, and, and... And I loved them even when they didn't have anybody that looked like me in them. Yeah. But I would, but but that didn't mean that sometimes I wouldn't like to see someone who looked yeah, like me. And knowing that historically that we did exist, mm -hmm. it, it it makes no sense. It 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 we no longer can use the excuse of kind of unconscious bias. It just becomes willful decisions that when historically we know that there was a period when, you know, the Queen of England ordered all of the black people that were in London out because she just said there were too many of us. Yeah, um, yeah. Then if there were that many that she had to order us out, why mm -hmm. do we not feature yeah, in, 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 in these TV shows and these movies? Mm -hmm. So I don't, it's not definitely not something that I do on purpose. And, you know, I, the next thing I'm scheduled to do is set in 19, 1977 Cold War um Germany and actually, uh, sorry, Cold War Russia, and actually doesn't have any black characters in it. It's a yeah. true story mm -hmm. um, um, of two men, a CIA man and a, and a, and a Russian spy. Um, and because I'd like to see that movie, so, yeah. so I'm going to make it. Um, and luckily, I've been asked to. Um, but who knows what I'll do next? I'll do the next thing that I'd like to see, and nobody yeah. else is 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 making. Because I do believe in that saying, "Be the change you want to see." Yes. I'm not an activist. I'm. I'm 
uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, if, if there's any activist in me, it's, it's just through the stories that mm -hmm. I tell, you know, changing the way things are, um, hopefully, or contributing to that through the stories that, that I tell. Yeah. Um, and, and knowing that I know that these stories connect to people of all races and yeah. all genders and all ages um, in the same way that, you know, all the movies that I've seen before that haven't had people that look like in, yeah. me in them, I, I've still been able to connect with, you know? Mm -hmm. No, thank you. Keep thank doing your you. thing. Thanks so thank much. You. How are we doing for time? Wrap up. Should we wrap it up? Or oh, one more question? Has anyone got a question? One more? Okay. Has it okay. No, it hasn't. It hasn't. So, um, firstly, uh, I, I believe uh, towards the end of this month, we're taking it out to do private screenings in um, Germany because we first want to we want it to be seen by the communities that it affects the most. Um, of all races that it affects the most and just do that in private screenings and just be sort of very respectful of that process and then after that we'll look to um, where where it what happens to it um, above and beyond that but but first of all just just get it to the people who whose story it tells something of well Emma thank you so much thank you thank for you. staying <laughs>